Church, I always love singing with you. Uh, I love hearing you sing. Uh, you guys should all cut an album. The Bear Valley Church Singers. Uh, I, I, love, I love, not that you sound that good, but, um, but just the, the, your hearts united, uh, singing important words. It's so, so refreshing in a fake world of um, things that don't matter and uh, things that, <laughs> empty words. Uh, I'm so encouraged singing important words and so I'm thrilled to be here. I, I love coming to Bear Valley Church and uh, sorry about the preacher. Sorry about the preacher. Uh, turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, would you picture yourself uh, as a high school kid, uh, middle school kid and Go to camp, summer camp, I assume, and um, maybe maybe it hadn't dawned on you, but you, you hear the gospel, you hear the gospel, and you hear that gospel about Jesus Christ, you understand, you make some connections, that you're a sinner, you need someone to save you from your sins, and the Savior is Jesus Christ, and and and. You hear it clearly. You hear it clearly for maybe the first time. Maybe you've been around it a while. You hear it clearly. And, and you realize your own need. And, and you hear that message clearly. And it's as if God is just calling out to you saying, Tonight's, t- today's your time. Tonight's the day. Let's go. And you go, yes. Yes. I love this. I feel like I, I, I've just gained riches that I didn't have to pay for. You respond to the gospel. You respond in faith. Picture yourself. Maybe as a, a little one, elementary age kid, in summertime, and your mom doesn't want to deal with you, and so she sends you to vacation Bible school. And, and you go, and, and you're there, and you're there at church, and maybe your family's a little flaky, and they don't come very often, but you're there at vacation Bible school, and um, you start hearing the stories, but you also see the scripture and you, you, it's clear in your mind that, that, yeah, I need, I need. I've done some bad things. I've lied to my mom and dad. I've hit my brother. Not that he didn't deserve it, but I know that's wrong. And, and, and so you hear that and in your childlike way, in your small little mind, you say, man, I, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need forgiveness. Maybe you're speaking with a neighbor and your neighbor's one of those crazy churchgoers and they keep sharing with you that God loves you and he uh, loves you so much, but also he's loved you in your sin where you didn't deserve and you didn't like that part, but you kind of agree and, and you hear in your mind and heart, it's like God's finally becoming clear in your mind and he's reaching out to you and you say, oh, you know, I, I need this. I need this. And so you come to faith in Jesus. Maybe it's for you. Uh, you just wandered in here to Bear Valley Church. You know, I, it, it's interesting. Over the years, many people stumble into Bear Valley Church. They live over there, over there. And they have to drive by Bear Valley Church. It's super annoying. And maybe they come by sometime, and as they come by, maybe they'll come by even tonight, and they'll see us at the summer table and just a bunch of people out here. And Maybe it's summer before we had air conditioner, and we have the windows open, and they hear us singing, or maybe they just see the cars. Maybe they see, as it will be tonight, the, the kids are like wild ants just running around, and just things are going on. And so they come in and they, they want to know what's going on and they, they want to just check it out. But as they hear the preaching of God's word, they understand that there's a God who made them, sent his son to die for them because of their sin, that they might have life, they might have freedom from the sins that they've committed, the wrongs that they had done. And they accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Picture yourself as one like that. And and I think that there's this exchange for those who come to faith that God is reaching out to them. 
he is sharing with them. He's saying, today's your day, and they respond in faith. Um, it's thrilling because it's the desperate situation that we cannot handle on our own that's solved because of Jesus. What we're talking about in the book of Galatians is the day after. <laughs> the day after. You know, maybe you were that person camp and you, you, you loved it and you, you're thrilled and, and you heard the gospel and you're with your friends and it was great and it was thrilling. And then you come home and your mom starts nagging at you. And your brother or sister start being brother and sister that you had a break from this last weekend or this last week. And you, you trusted in Christ, but how do you live those days after? What does the gospel mean the days after? I really think as we look at the book of Galatians, this is one of the big questions that Paul seeks to answer. God wants us to have answered for us is what do we do with the days after? If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter 1. Uh, verses 6 through 10. God's word says this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary uh, to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now, so now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were st uh, still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. God, help us to understand your word now. May your spirit be our teacher. May we not be um, stubborn, clinging to our own ideas, our own teachings, or the, those things that have been taught to us. But God, I, I ask that you would change our hearts, that we would cling to the one and only gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, and it's in his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so I have this uh, simple outline this morning. Shocked, one word, shocked. Second word, damned. And just so it's a little bit out of the ordinary, Paul's service, Okay. I know it's not very profound, but that's where we're going with today. Verse 6. And, and as we see this this morning, I, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about your relationship to your, your immediate family. I, I want you to think about um, your relationship to the church and, and what matters long term. And, and this is Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. He says this to them. He says, I'm, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Um, it's the idea of quickly deserting him. And, and Paul shares with them an abrupt, passionate outburst. I'm shocked. I'm astonished. I can't believe it. Uh, some might say it this way. I'm surprised at how stupid you are. It's interesting, as Paul talks about this, if you compare his other letters, you go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, very similar beginning. They start out, it says, Paul, and I'm talking to this group of people. And then most of the time, the next thing he says is, oh, I remember your faith. I, I remember being with you. I, I remember how God saved you and changed you. And I, I love how you set up the church there. And I love how you're serving him faithfully. And, uh, and, and there's all this. And, and we do this too. We do this too. Some, some of you, uh, when, when we see each other, we say, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, good, good to see you. 
say, how's things going? Oh, great. How are things going with you? And you say, man, Pastor, I, I just love coming to Bear Valley Church. And I say, oh, we love having you as part of Bear Valley Church. And we love it. We love partnership and gospel connections. We love it. And uh, you say, yeah, you know, I, I've been here for this many years. And you say, oh, yeah, it's great. Our God's uni- united our hearts for that long. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And, and then finally you say, now the real reason I wanted to talk to you is this. But as you look at this, uh, this particular letter, we only make it to verse 6. We only make it to verse 6. And Paul says, I am shocked. I'm astonished. And, and, and he has a reason for it. And it's the reason, as you look throughout the letter and as things build, and this is the reason that he is writing. And I'm going to share with you some things that really aren't in the text, but they're in future passages that, that you would know uh, what was so shocking and what was so important. And what was the, you, you know, it's like uh, when, the, when the house is burning, uh, you, you don't have time for pleasantries. You don't have time to, to uh, you know, when, when your heart is boiling over, you just got to get straight to the point. This is Paul. And he says, what I want to talk to you about is something that shocks me to the core. I'm astonished. And I'm astonished because of this. That you are quickly deserting him. This abrupt, passionate outburst is all about them deserting Jesus. Deserting Jesus. And so... As you look at this, I shared with you earlier, surprised by stupidity. And, and this is kind of how this goes. This is what happened. Paul had come to them and he had shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. And what did they do? God worked in their lives, worked in their heart. They heard the message. And what did they do? They responded. They responded in faith. And I'm sure it was like that day at summer camp. I'm sure in their minds and hearts, they said, remember when Paul was preaching or one of the others that was with him was was sharing this message and I felt like God was working in my heart and he was calling me, he was grabbing me and, and I couldn't do anything but respond and I did and I was thrilled that my sins would be forgiven. I was thrilled. I was so excited. And then Paul stayed for a while, but then he left town. He went on to his next spot. And there became this church. There was a bunch of us that had come to faith and there were some others from other areas and we became a church or churches. And so Paul was away from us and we were on our own with this newfound faith of the gospel. He says, Paul's writing, he's heard, he's somehow heard the message that they uh, were dabbling in other things they were uh, considering or working on, uh, perverting the gospel and deserting Christ himself. It's interesting, too, as he, he shares this, he, he says this, deserting him who called you, who called you. And I want you to get this picture. I, I want you to see it. And, and this is something that's a repetition for, for Paul If you look back up a few verses, uh, in verse 4, remember last week he says, Who gave himself, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father. Whose plan was it that you and I would come to faith? It's God's plan. And now in this verse, it says, the one who called you, Christ calling you, Christ, Christ entering in. And, and I think it's important for you to remember this, that we were not searching for Jesus. We were not searching for Jesus. We were just doing our own thing. We were just trying all kinds of different sins and bad ways. And none of them were working. And God interrupted that mess and 
Christ his son calls out to us. And this is what happened to the, the church at Galatia. This is what happened to those believers that God reached out to them and they heard the message and clarity and they said, yes, responded in faith. He had called them to the gospel. But I, I, I want to say this. It's interesting that he doesn't just say the gospel. What, what does he say? He, he said, uh, who called you, you in the gospel or the, the grace of Christ. He later on calls it the gospel. The grace of Christ. And what is grace? It's very important for us to remember this all the time. Grace is us getting treatment from God that we do not deserve. That, that he doesn't hold our sins against us. He doesn't excess out, cancel us. But he sees us in our sin, in our deadness of our sin. And he reaches out and grants us the gospel that we might, that we might have our sins forgiven. That's what Christ did for the church at Galatia. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's what God has done for you in his son Jesus. Extended to you grace. You have grace. And he says, I'm shocked. Why is he shocked? Why is he shocked? Because they had accepted the gospel of grace. The gracious gospel, the one from Jesus, that God had worked in their life. He'd called out to them. He, he brought his son Jesus and he said, this is the answer for your sin problem. And, and they're, they're, yes, I love it. But it was the day after, right? It was the month after. It was maybe the year after. And, and Paul says, I'm shocked that you would trade in that message for anything else. Verse 7. He says this, uh, and are turning to a different gospel. Verse 6. Verse 7. Not that there is another one. Not that there is another one. Now this is, this I want you to get. I want you to get. Uh, there's lots of different other gospels. There's lots of them. There's tons of them. They're making up new gospels every day. But, it's kind of like drugs. Uh, if, you, if you're real, really sick, maybe you have a, um, some kind of ailment or maybe it's cancer of some sort. And, and the doctor says to you, here, I got this pill. No one's ever heard of it before. It's just come out, this pill. And it's going to cure you of whatever you got. And what would your response be? Good news. Good news. And you'd say, man, I'm so excited. You'd tell your friends and neighbors. You'd tell the people at church, I got this new drug and it's going to cure me. And I start taking it. But it doesn't cure me. And maybe it even kills me. Was it good news or was it bad news? Well, I thought it was good news. But in the end, it was bad news. And so what he's getting at here is this, that in verse 7, he said, that the, in verse 6, he said there's a different gospel, but in verse 7, he says, not that there really is another gospel. There's no other good news. And, and I would say this, what we get here is that there is one gospel. We sang about it. There's one gospel. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter if you live in Golden Hills. Or even like far, far away or like Los Angeles. The T is silent. Lost Angeles. Uh, lost Angels. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a message for everybody. And it's very important as you hear this, chapter 1, and it's going to go on from here. There's one gospel. There's one gospel. And, and I'd say this. Paul had preached that one gospel to them when he visited them. And they had accepted or embraced that one gospel, that one message. Okay? There's one message. Paul preached it. They accepted it. They're saved. 
But there's other gospel messages too. But they're really not other gospel messages. They're fake messages. They're, they're messages that don't work. And Paul says in verse 7, he says, But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so we don't know exactly what happened, but some have speculated maybe from the big city Jerusalem, maybe people that had come with great credentials, they had studied under so-and-so, they had heard from so-and-so. They come to the area of Galatia and to these churches and they start teaching and they start teaching the gospel 2.0. The new and improved version. And as they come, uh, they come and talk to these uh, people who had trusted in Christ. They said to them, yeah, Jesus is great. Jesus is great. But now you know what you really need to do is follow the law. You men need to be circumcised. You need to circumcise your boys. You need to follow the law in the Old Testament. This is why, this is the completion of what it is that you are to do as Gentiles. And this is the distortion of the gospel, the, the twisting or perverting of the gospel. It's interesting, as you, you think about, um, there were Jews, and then there were Gentiles. And most of us here today are Gentiles. And so there are Jews and Gentiles. And so for the, for the Jews, we found, and we've understood, both from Galatians, Romans, other places in the New Testament, Jews, and, and we found it in the Old Testament too. What, tell me about laws. How, how do those work? Well, there, there's the 10, but then there's more, and then there's other things. And are you perfect in those things? And he said, well, no, no, I'm not perfect. You know, but, but I've done, you know, I, I've been circumcised, or I had my, my child circumcised many years ago. And you say, is that why you're right with God? Yes, I'm one of God's because I, I've been circumcised. Or maybe it's the laws themselves. And you say, well, you know, and people do this all the time. They say, well, how do you know you're right with God? He said, well, I don't do this. I don't do this. And I haven't murdered anybody. Well, bully for you, right? You know, when somebody, so when somebody says they haven't murdered anybody, it makes me wonder if they're thinking about it, right? <laughs> you know, if that's the big thing that they, they consider themselves a moral person because they haven't killed anybody, it's kind of nerve-wracking, you know what I mean? If you can't point at anything bigger than that. The point here is this, as you look at, as you consider the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's a gospel of grace. And we find as we consider a, a, a Jewish person who's been taught and they've tried to follow the law, the law points out what? That they're guilty, that they failed, that they don't have 100%. And so what a Jew can say as they read and they understand about Jesus is a Jew can say, I need the grace of Christ. I need the grace of Christ. The Gentiles, everybody else, everybody else, non-Jews, where the Gentiles need, well, they don't have anything you can point to. I, I, I think it's interesting that, um, that even non-Jews they always seek to find something good about themselves to say they're right with God. There's man-made religions all, all the time. Some of you know it. Some of you have come out of them. Some of you should come out of them. This idea that you say, well, how, how do I know that I'm right with God? Well, I, I have my baptism certificate, right? And I, I, you know, now I got the video, right? Now I got the video. I, I, I took my first communion, I've gone to this class or that class, and, and that's what makes me right with God. And, and the gospel is not that. The gospel is a gospel of grace, the grace of Christ. What Christ has done displays and imparts his grace to you, favor, God's favor, apart from your doing. So we see that the Jews needed grace, but also the Gentiles needed grace. And this is kind of the, the things that are going to be talked about in the chapters following. If a Gentile comes to faith in Jesus, 
It is not that they would go back to the rules of the Old Testament, that they would go and get circumcised, that they would go follow the law. It's not that they, because Christ has satisfied all that is needed. Why is Paul coming in so hot? Well, because Paul sees, and I want to say Paul sees, but God wants us to know that the idea of adding works, of adding things that you do to improve your standing or your salvation, Paul sees that as something so destructive in the nature of the gospel, because it is. I say Paul, and I want you to, I always want you to think through inspiration of the Bible. Paul wrote it. Sometimes he had it written. He, He dictated it. But God was working in Paul's life that he would get it down perfectly. That he would get it down in such a way that it would not just be a message for them, but a message for us. And so when you read this and you say, well, why is Paul getting so excited about this? You can say this. Why is God so excited about this? Well, why does he think this is such a big deal? And, and what's interesting to me is this, that, that most of us would see works added to the gospel message. Ah, it's just a subtle difference. Just a subtle difference. It's, it's Jesus, and then you do a bunch of works. And we'd see that as a subtle difference, and we say, oh, they're a little bit off, kind of, and this and that. And, and I want to say this. Paul jumps right into it, and he comes in hot. Why? Because it's a big issue for God. The God who loves you so much, your God, your creator, the plan worked out in his son Jesus. This is important to him for us to get. And so as we embark on this, I hope that we see the intensity of Paul and realize that this is an important thing. Why? Why is it so important? Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, in this, um, it's not hard to tell, but as you think this through, they're, they're not about to lose their salvation. They're not losing their salvation. But what are the implications if they follow a works-based uh, sharing of the gospel. They, they accepted the right gospel, but then they start adding stuff. I, I want to tell you, it's the next generation. It's the next generation. It's interesting to me here at Bear Valley Church, um, and some of you know this, some of you have been a part of this, where there's those terrible people who leave us. You know what I'm talking about? They move away. You know, uh, they move away. They move away. got to figure it out, right? You know, they decided they didn't want to be a part of us. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but they move away. And then maybe they, they think they're going to come back here and uh, visit. And that's great. We love to see people. And they come back and, and they say, oh, man, the church has changed. The church has changed. And, and I want to say this. Yes, because you left. And other people moved in. And there are other people that have come to faith in Jesus and, and, and different People are growing up and and things are changing and a church is dynamic, right? And so after that initial time with Paul where they accepted the gospel, it's those days after that that church was beginning to change. They had listened to the message from whoever those people were. Jerusalem, you know, smart teachers, great orders. I don't know who they were. But they came and they shared a message. They shared a message that was, yeah, Paul's message was fine. Jesus was just all right. And, but you got to add circumcision, the law, these things. And, and I want to say this. The reason it was such a big deal to Paul was this. First of all, in the lives of those who accepted Christ, it causes it's a powerless gospel to change. To change. Works cannot change your heart. Works cannot revolutionize a life which was dead, now is alive. Powerless for change. And I, I want to say this. It's, it's a powerless gospel that they would now share this gospel. It was a powerless gospel to save others. What was the danger? 
the gospel witness outside of that church in Galatia, that others would now get a gospel of works, a gospel that, you know, doesn't save. And I would say this, this is very important. Is a danger for the next generation, for their kids, their little ones. That if their parents couldn't share a gospel of grace with them, that they would share a gospel of works that would never save their kids. It would be a burden. It would, it would be a ruin to their kids. And as I think about our church, it's the same problem that we would have, Right? is if we don't get the gospel, if we don't understand it's a gospel of grace, a transforming gospel of grace, it's bad for us in the, the, you know, in the sense of abandoning our own sin and being able to live the days after. But it's also bad for this community and for our kids, the next generation. So Paul was, um, he was abruptly, passionately outbursting because they were deserting the gospel of Jesus. Which brings me to uh, point number two, damned, damned. How's that for a point? Verse eight. Um, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And, and Paul states two crazy impossibilities. Two crazy impossibilities. The first one being we, Paul and his other preacher, uh, the, the tribe that was coming that was you know, with him, that were coming and sharing the gospel. And he says, what would be the possibility? What should you do? Paul was there. They accepted the gospel. He left. He left. Time passage, he comes back, and what if he said, hey, I got an updated version of the gospel. I I got some revelation. The, the, The previous one was deficient that I gave you. Now I've got some added insight for you as this church. Paul says, if if I would come back to you and I would preach a, a gospel that added things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says what? Let me be accursed. Let me be accursed. That word uh, accursed, word Greek anathema, it's let him be damned. Let that person be damned. Let that person be doomed for the destruction of God. Let them be marked in such a way and set aside because they are, they are anathema. They are to be damned doomed for destruction. But the first one, the first crazy possibility was him, right? He says, if I would come back and tell you something different, I should be damned. And also the the other guys that were with me, Barnabas, Titus later, and maybe others, maybe even Peter, maybe even Peter. If If you run into Peter and he gives you a different message, let him be damned. This is what he's saying to them. And he, he's, he's making this, he's saying, this is how important it is. It may seem subtle to you, but if someone preaches you this different gospel, let them be accursed. He says, if we or an angel from heaven, now think about that. Picture this is the, one of the churches of Galatia and we're, we're hanging out here one Sunday morning and we have a visitation of an angel. Angel Gabriel, or one of the other ones, we don't know their names, okay? They come and, and, and they speak to us. And some of you go, man, that'd be an exciting day at church. It would be. But Paul says this, he says, if, if you get a, a vision from an angel, an angel speaks to you. What's an angel? A messenger, right? Does, you know, God does what God wants, right? Comes as a messenger, similar to the word of apostle, yet it's angelic being. And so he says, he says, this crazy possibility, what if an angel would come, you'd, you'd have this angelic messenger, what if they shared to you, yeah, Jesus is great, but you need to do this as well to be right with God. 
He says, let, let the angel be damned. Let the angel be accursed, anathema. Doomed for destruction. It says in verse 9, so that, that was verse 8, this gospel contrary to the one we preached to you. He says, he, he circles that, that first preaching of the gospel to them and he says, that's the one. That's the one that saves. That's the one you cling to. That's the one you share to the next generation. Verse 9. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. What is verse 9? Repetition. Moms. Have you ever repeated yourself to your kids? And, and, and this is an especially important one. I, I do this purposely sometimes with my adult kids. If I feel like they didn't listen to the first sentence, I just say it again like I didn't say the first sentence. And, and they get annoyed, and I, I'm, I say, I'm annoyed too. <laughs> I always try to smile when I... You know, encourage them in that way. But, but th- this, what I would say is this. He says, if you didn't get it the first time, let me get you the second time. And what I'm saying here, and, and, and I would call it this, the double damned passage. Right? That this is so important. That this is so critical that we would understand and hear that he says it again with clarity. And what is this? He says, what any other gospel would be, it would be a contrary gospel, the gospel that saves. Stick with your first and right answer. I think all of us have, you know, whether it be the DMV or math or sometime in college where you, you had to bubble the answer in, right? You had to click a box. It was A, B, C, or D. And, and you, you clicked on one and then you you're guessing on the first time, and then you're like, well, maybe I should, you know, that, that other one looks good too. And, and you used to be able to track your things because you could see eraser marks, uh, you know, violent eraser marks, and then you choosing the wrong one. And that's what he's saying is that the first one you had, stick with your right answer. The right answer that Jesus is enough and his gracious gospel is enough for you. I want to I want to outline this for you. Maybe be helpful for you. Um, he says this. He says this. He says Paul says, "If I Paul come back to you with another message, let me be accursed. Let me be damned." And and if Barnabas comes, if Barnabas comes to you apart from me, and he shares with you another message. Let him be damned. Maybe Titus too. Maybe Titus too. Younger. You know, Titus, let him be damned. And even if there's an angel like Gabriel, if he comes, you know, Gabriel's big deal, big pronouncer of truth from God and message. Even if Gabriel comes, let him be damned. Or any of those other ones we don't know their names. Right? Any of those angelic beings. Even if John MacArthur comes to you with a different gospel, let him be damned. Even if Kevin Bosler comes to you with a different gospel, let him be damned. David Jeremiah, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, any of them, they would preach to you a different gospel than the one Paul preached. Let him be damned. That's how serious this is. We come to verse 10, Paul's service. And as I look at verse 10, this is just, you know, it's probably nothing to you, but to me, I struggled with this. That, uh, and so I'm going to, this is what I do a lot of times. If I don't, if I can't remember, if I can't figure out if this is from this passage or next week's, I'll just preach it twice. You know, that's what I do. And so this is what I'm going to do this one. Next week, I'm going to preach verse 10 again. 
It's going to be the intro to the next passage because I think it's transitional. Paul says this, verse 10. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or, or of God? Um, how, how do you seek the approval of men? How, how do you do that? Well, in a church, in a church, uh, you can check in with people. And, and if you check in with people, you check in with someone over here, maybe a couple people over here. And if they all say, Pastor, that was a wonderful message. You go, everybody loves me. Everybody loves me. I, I, I've gained their approval. I assume that they represent the others and I, I've gained approval. I've checked in. And, and then when people complain, if you get two or three complaints, you go, oh, maybe... You know, I'm not. Maybe, I, and they say, Pastor, I don't really like that message. And I say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll give me another shot next week, and I'll, I'll try to m- make a better one for you. That's seeking the approval of man. That's seeking to be validated, and and we all do this in very different ways, right? Or of God, or of God, the approval of man, or the approval of God. Now. Uh, I just want to. I just want to line these out. Gospels. Paul brought the gospel to the church of Galatia, churches of Galatia, the city of Galatia, and and as he brought the gospel there, they responded in faith, and he was serving God. Uh, if he comes back and he changes the message uh, because he had an idea, or collectively men had an idea, or people are pressuring him to change. That's the approval of man. But when you come with the approval of God, it's the idea of being a messenger of his. He goes on to say, or, or am I trying to please man? And, and I want to I say something here. And hopefully this, when you think of preaching, I hope you think of Sunday morning. I hope you think, yeah, uh, Kevin's a preacher. He proclaims God's word. Or I listened to this preacher on the radio. Or I went to this other church and they were doing preaching. I hope you understand what that is. But, but I want to say that, that preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel comes in many different forms. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to live down by the golf course, uh, down there, off the golf course. I just wanted to make that point, you know. It's good times, Niblick Lane. And um, I, I lived down there, and I was coming to work one day, and as I came to work, the, the, the bus, they had dropped off kids, at, some moms had dropped off kids at the bus, and there were two minivans. They were like pointing kind of to each other, but the, the driver's windows were side by side. The windows were down, and two moms were talking. They were preaching. Um, they were preaching to one another. And I say preaching because I, I want you to get this. So, so I, I saw them. I, I'm not sure I knew who they were. I think I knew who one of them was. Anyways, I, I go to work. I come, I come to work here at Bear Valley Church. That was my office right over there, uh, right in that corner right there. It's fun times. But um, that was my office. And as many times, I forgot something. I forgot a binder or a book or something. And so I go back, and like an hour later, I drive by the same thing. And what's there? These two minivans. I thought they broke down. But they didn't look worried. They were just talking. And what I want to point out to you is this, that, that I'm a preacher and I can come out with a dumb message that would cause me to be in that category. Man, get rid of that guy. Let him be accursed. But some of the, the mo- most intrusive preaching that you take in is from one another. It's from one another. And so you can be polluted in your thinking about the gospel from, from the people that you're listening to. And so I, even as we talk about this and think about this, I, I, I want you to think about um, critically of me, but also of others that you would listen to, but also your peers uh, that you would listen to. He says, or, or am I trying to please man? I think that's funny. Um, I don't think it was meant to be, but as I think about it, and I, I look at verses six through nine. When you look at verses six through nine, is that like... Um, like how to win friends and influence people? Is that like a, a church growth message that everyone will be happy about as you're done? No. Uh, Paul's yelling at him from the get-go, right? There was no kind words of how nice you've been and I'm so thankful for you and this and that. It's not that he wasn't, 
But he, he quickly gets into it and he says, I, I can't believe you're so stupid. I can't believe you're, you're missing the boat on this. I can't believe you would trade the, the precious gospel of Jesus Christ, the gracious gospel, for something of works? Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. And so he, he says to them, he says, he, he asks the question, do you think, does it sound like I'm trying to please man? Um, he says this, if, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If you think about a servant of Christ, what, how do you know a servant of Christ? How, how do you know that they're a servant of him? You see them, right? You see them doing what? Serving Christ. I, I think often if we're people pleasers, you know, we're exhausted for one thing, Right? exhausted because the person in front of us, we're going, oh, I got to please you. What do you want me to do? And they're like this. And then, then you go to the next person and they say something different. And you're, you're constantly chasing your tail around trying to please everybody. And, and Paul says, look, look, am I trying to please men? Am I trying to take a poll of, of what, what, what could happen here? He says, no. He says, I'm not. I'm a servant of Christ. As a servant of Christ, I came to you the first time and I shared the gospel of Jesus. And as a servant of Christ, I now write to you words that are somewhat hot, offensive, maybe hard to hear. I write these to you because I'm a servant of Christ. If I wasn't a servant of Christ, I would say whatever would tickle your ears, whatever would please you, whatever would get me favor with you. But I'm not. I'm a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ is shown by the one he serves, the one he he tailors his message to, the one who he seeks approval of. This is what Paul was. He was a servant of Christ. So next week we'll look at this verse again and it'll kind of be a kickoff for the uh, next rest of the chapter, I think. I want to give you three things to just kind of, and, and these three things are, are not just for this passage, but they're really kind of some of the big message for the book of Galatians. The first one is this, beware of many different gospels, many different gospels. And, and I want you to get that, there are many different gospels, if there are many different gospels, there's many different wrong gospels, false gospels, fake gospels. Most of them, most of them are works-based. Most of them. There's something you got to do. Got to knock on this many doors. You got to give this much money. You've got to participate in this ritual. You got to go to this place sometime in your life. Like There's, there's things you got to do. There's things you got to do. Works-based gospel. There's also sin-filled gospels, right? Just do whatever you want. Doesn't matter. You know, just uh, live life with gusto and be happy with the sinful choices that you make. You know, and God doesn't care. God doesn't care. You're good. You're good. I, I want to tell you that's, those are false gospels. Those are different gospels that are false gospels that, that will not save you. Beware of the many different gospels. Second thing I tell you is this. Measure the message. Measure the message. When you hear someone talking, when you hear someone talking, whether it be at the gym or on the ball field, right? Whether it be at your work or over the fence, right? Your neighbor. Whether it be on the radio, on the internet, or here at Bear Valley Church. Measure the message. Measure the message. And and think to yourself, is that the gospel of grace? Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or or, or are they adding something to it? Or or are they taking something away? Is this the message of Jesus? Measure the message. And I'll just say this too, as an added 2.1 AB or whatever you want to call it. Measure also the messenger. Measure also the messenger. If a messenger says one thing for you and then lives a different way, reject him. 
Reject him. Reject her. If someone is making up their own things and it doesn't connect with the scripture, reject the message, but also the messenger, right? This is important. This is important. And, and this is what Paul was sharing. He, sometimes we're impressed with people. We're impressed with people. You know, you're probably so super impressed by me. Yeah, I think about that every week. You say, oh, you're such a fine orator. Uh, someone came up to me. I said that in the first service. And he had a line. It was so great. He had like five or six big words to talk about my preaching. And I, I was like, that was beautiful. That was wonderful. But, uh, but we get impressed with people. We get impressed with people. And, and, and when we're impressed with people, then we value their message more. And, and I want to say, be careful. Be careful about those who are on, on the television. Be careful with those who are, you're attracted to their beauty and not the message that's clear from the gospel. Measure the message, but also the messenger. And then the last thing I would say, and this is probably one of the bigger lessons here in, in the book of Galatians. Cling to the gospel from start to finish, the gracious gospel. So picture yourself again. You're at camp. Some of you missed out on going to camp uh, because your family didn't go and because you're doing something else. Nothing more important. But maybe you're at camp and, and you accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're thrilled with it. What do you do the day after? What do you do the day after? So, so you cling to Christ you feel called by God to salvation. You cling to Christ that day. What do you do the day after? Cling to Christ, the gracious gospel of Jesus. What do you do when you're in college? Cling to Christ. What do you, what do, you do when you don't go to college and you don't have a clue what you're doing with your life? Cling to Christ. What do you do when you get married? Cling to Christ. What do you do when you're blessed with kids and you have no clue what you're doing? If you think you do, that's a problem. Cling to Christ. What, what do you do when your marriage is a mess? Cling to Christ. What, what, what do you do when uh, your, your kids are going astray? Cling to Christ. What do you do when your health is bad? Cling to Christ. And what do you do that day where you see your body shutting down and you realize you're going to die? Cling to Christ. Cling to Christ. From start to finish, cling to Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for this message and the great book of Galatians that you shared with us through your servant Paul. And God, I just ask that you would continue to teach us. May we be uh, clarified in our relationship with you that we are clinging to the, the only true gospel, that we are not preaching another gospel, we're not trusting another gospel, that we are clinging to your only remedy for our sin problem. God, thank you for your love for us and your plan for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.